Come with me and you'll be in a world of cinematic adventures. Hello, welcome back to Cinematic Adventures. This is week one outside of Black History Month. So we are back to regular topics. This month, March, is my birthday month. So I'm going to do whatever I want. And I wanted to watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm doing a daily binge of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So this month, I figured, hey, let's talk about Marvel, not Cinematic Universe. And to start it off, I am with Vince and we are talking Spider-Man 2. The and good Spider-Man 2. Yes. Yeah, not but not the amazing Spider-Man 2, just Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi yep. version. Which, you know, I hadn't seen this in a while. And when I decided to rewatch it, I was like, holy shit, this is a really good movie. It's a gem. I mean, I mean, Sony CGI has never really held up, but for all the practical effects that they do, it's a solid movie. Yeah. To me, CGI and all of that enhances a story. So if the story is good, I'm never gonna notice. That the oh, CGI story solid. Bad. So I like the CGI like is perfect to me because I never paid any attention to it. It was it to me. All of it was in service of the story and the story was solid. So, yeah. So why did you pick? I almost said Black Panther, too. What is wrong? with me? It's, You started it with the TLJ crap so that I'm going to blame you. Yeah, it's a fun little teaser, but or fun little <laughs> jab or whatever the hell it is. But um, so a reason for picking. Uh, Spider-Man 2, to be honest, outside the MCU, is probably one of the best or the best Marvel movie. It's mm-hmm. so complex. I mean, the characters are so well done. Uh, the actors playing them just do such a phenomenal job. And it was really the the peak, the pinnacle of the Raimi trilogy. I mean, one was fine. I mean, I love, I love Spider-Man 1. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Spider-Man 2 was just so much better. 3 has ups and downs. But yeah, I mean, for me, like Spider-Man is always going to fall back to Tobey Maguire because of this trilogy. And just for me, he, he was the embodiment of Spider-Man. You know, even when, even when Andrew Garfield took over, I was like, nah, Tobey's still my guy. And like, I again. like, I like Andrew Garfield. I like Tom Holland. Honestly, of the three, my favorite is Tom Holland. However, I have to admit, and this is, this is going to be be a bit of a revelation because we all know i am the mcu woman but spider-man 2 is probably the best spider-man movie of all of them it's even better than the marvel ones like than the actual mcu ones i mean i I have no problem with tom holland i have no problem with andrew garfield both of them do an amazing job you know playing their versions of peter parker but for me when it comes back to you know spider-man i mean Raimi did it first. Well, I won't say first. There's been other iterations before it. I mean, but he really brought it forefront saying that, hey, a Marvel movie can be a really good, solid movie. And at the time, Sony trusted him the money to make it happen. Uh-huh. And now Raimi is coming back. He's going to be in the MCU. He is going to be the one. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. And guess who's going to be in Doctor Strange? And Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Well, I know we're having uh, Wanda Maximoff will be in there. Yes, and? Oh, um, crap. He just got announced doing the music. I forget his name. Like, a, not a musician. Mm, he might have me beat on this one. What they announce? Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, Spider-Man is going to be in. So it all three of these are going to be connected. Um, it's starting with WandaVision. It's going to Spider-Man. Uh, I almost said Far From Home. Spider-Man um, can't go home. Is that what it's no, called? No way home. No way home. There we go. Um, so it starts with WandaVision, goes Spider-Man, no way home. And then it's going to go to Dr. Strange, multiverse of madness. Yeah. I love how we're supposed to be talking about Spider-Man 2. We got into WandaVision. Yep. Okay. So yep. Spider-Man 2. <laughs> we talked about it for a good five minutes, at least. Uh, <laughs> we got the intro on it. We did. Um, okay. So Spider-Man 2. We talked about why you wanted to do it. We both say it's like one of the best Spider-Man movies, if not the best Spider-Man movie. Okay, let's get into some of the elements of this. I have to admit, right off the bat, I could not stand Mary Jane in this. I don't know whether it's just Kristen Dunst or Kirsten Dunst. I don't know whether I just don't like her in this role or whether I don't like how she's written, but I can't stand her character in any of the three Spider-Man films. Yeah, got worse as they went on. Yes. But in this one, 
it didn't really feel like, at least to me, that she was there for much of it. It really focused on, you know, Peter and him dealing with being Spider-Man, not being Spider-Man, and um, Octavius, which still this day, you know, Ephraim Molina was still the perfect cast for that role. Yes. And I really hope that he can just bring it again, you know, when they reintroduce him in the next Spider-Man movie. I have a feeling, so my picture of this is like, because they're also bringing back the other two Spider-Men. I think that we're just going to see like maybe a reenactment of the scenes with them. Kind of like, okay, so you remember in Into the Spider-Verse when Miles Morales, like at first the different versions of the um, the Spider-Verse is coming through. Mm-hmm. You see like Spider-Man in different, you know, different areas. I feel like that's what's going to happen. Like we're going to get to see the three of them interacting. We're going to see the, the other two Spider-Man characters fighting their villains and I think it's just going to be like a short thing. I don't think it's going to be like a focus. Like you that's t- my, I feel like it's going to be my like thought as well. Yeah. That it'll be like a, kind of a, a terror in reality. And you'll see like, is that Spider-Man? Like, who's that with a, you know, four robot arms? Like, yeah. Which um, it'll, it'll, it'll be sad because I really want to see all of them interact somehow. But I do really think, really think it'll be like a blink into another reality as reality is breaking down. Yeah, that's what that's what I think it's gonna be, but I mean we could be wrong. So I don't know. I didn't write it. One thing I loved is like it was like a week or two, all these stories came out. I was like, so and so spot on Spider-Man set, so and so spot on Spider-Man set. Mm -hmm. And I start seeing memes online. It's like I was spotted on Spider-Man set. We do that with uh with Sean because we say like even he's gonna be in the movie at this point. Sean's (laughs) different. How is Sean different? He takes weird to a whole new level. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's, we'll leave it there. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, but one thing I really liked how they adapted this was the Spider-Man No More line from the comics, mm-hmm. how he just couldn't really balance being Spider-Man and Peter Parker. So he, you know, gets overwhelmed, abandons that Danny Spider-Man. I think they just played that beautifully in this. I like, one of the things I like about this Spider-Man as opposed to the other two versions this Spider-Man just has the webs coming from him. It's part of him. Whereas the other two, he had to create it. And I get that it is comic accurate for him to have, cre- have to create the web shooters. I also get that it shows how smart Peter is. So let me say that first, okay? I understand all of that. I but still like it better. I still do you know like why it better Raimi did it? it comes out of him. Do you know why Raimi did it that way? No, why? That's how it was in the comics at the time. Oh, see, there you go. Yep. Yeah, because to me, it actually just makes more sense. For one, if he's going to have the power, the ability to, if he's going to get spider sense, the ability to climb walls, all the like super strength, all of that, why wouldn't he get the web shooting? And also, if he's like, I like the the thought that like it's kind of an impotence for him when he can't, when he's he subconsciously doesn't want to be Spider Man anymore, he can't do it. Like he physically. That's the first thing he noticed is that he doesn't have the web. You know, he can't shoot the webs anymore. He falls out of the sky. Yeah. Um, so I liked that. And and to me, it also, it just makes more sense that Spider-Man wouldn't run out of web shooters because he can't, because he just, you know, shoots them. Um, unless well, he, he did one in the comics, though. He ran out of web shooters on like his own. Ash, yeah. Like when he actually had the web shooters embedded in his skin, like organically, he actually one time ran out. It was at, it was after okay so he intentionally did it it was after civil war um spoilers for those who haven't read civil war from back for like 2005 but <laughs> it's 2021 if you didn't you're not gonna yeah you probably know what's going on anyways um so as i know spider-man i didn't reveal on the run and they mm-hmm. get shot so they run inmate to the hospital um check underneath her you know um maiden name which is riley for those didn't know or care and <laughs> I think more don't care. But what happens is that the doctor comes in and says, Hey, your insurance won't cover all this. She's going to die. And so what happens is that, you know, Peter starts to get really angry because he believes this is all Tony's fault. It's like if Tony convinced him to reveal his, reveal his, reveal his identity, may would have got shot. Everything would have been fine. So he I mean, literally... Captain America warned of this, though, because he specifically said there are reasons why people need to wear their why people have their identity, like oh, yeah. uh, 
mask, why people wear a mask. And it's not to hide their identity, it's to protect their loved ones. And like Spider-Man mm. knew that. I don't know why he, and he was an adult. So that's another thing for people. When Civil War happens, Peter Parker is an adult. He's not a kid anymore. He's in his 30s. So yeah, so he he's probably twice as old as you guys are used to seeing him on the screen. So he was a grown man when he chose to unmask himself. He unmasked himself at a press conference, by the way. He chose to do that to support Tony and the um, the Registration Act. And because of that, Aunt May got shot. So, yep. so what happens is that he goes to Avengers Tower because he knows Stark still lives there. And literally, you know, punches the glass on the top level to, you know, get inside. Which you're saying is supposed to be the most reinforced glass available to mankind. But he just punches through like it's nothing. Finds that Tony's not there. Starts swinging away. Tony actually, you know, jumps him in the air. You're basically saying, you know, what are you doing? Your your aunt's been shot. I can just rush you now. So Peter webs up all his, you know, repulsors, makes him fall to the ground. And then literally Stark burns away the webbing on his feet, gets in the air. And you see a panel. It shows just Peter's eyes and says, never I've done this before. I've never unloaded everything I have onto one entity, one person. And now I have, and you, you just see like this giant webbing down this alley. Iron Man in well, Stark in his Iron Man suit is fully encompassed. His repulsors have you know basically been webbed up to the point where they can't even turn on. And you can just like see like almost like divots in Parker's wrists because the web sacks in his wrists are empty. There's nothing there to hold the skin up. Damn. Yeah. And honestly, like it was like one of the most brutal, emotionally brutal scenes from a comic. Like Peter goes up, rips Ma- Stark's, Stark's mask off his face, mm-hmm. throws on the ground, starts telling like, you know, you're the one going to do this, this and that. And like you just said, you know, Stark looks him in the eye and says, you're an adult. I didn't make you do anything. Was this, this wasn't part of the main Civil War, right? Because I don't remember that. Was that part this of is, the Spider-Man comic that was like, it was, um, tied to it? Yep. Yeah. Because I was going to say, like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that part because that's kind of memorable. I think it might have been the part of the Fallen Sun series, I think. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, I read the Civil War part and I don't remember that. But here's the thing, like, for people who don't read comics, you have, like, your, whenever there's a crossover event, you have your main story arc, which is, say, 10 issues of this crossover event, right? Where everybody's in it. And then... Literally all of the other comics. So there's Spider-Man, Iron Man, Wolverine, the X-Men, Captain America, all just every single individual comic that there is all have their own stories that are going on while the event is happening. So if you really want to get what's actually happening, you have to read like a hundred different issues to understand like the ins and outs of the entire Marvel universe. And like, nobody reads all that. So everybody just reads like the crossover and then the ones that they normally read. So if you're an X-Men fan, you know exactly what the X-Men were doing and you read the crossovers, but you may not have any idea what like Bucky Barnes was doing or what Captain America was up to. Cause you didn't give a shit. So oh, X-Men didn't do shit in this civil war. Yeah. Well, they decided to stay out because let's face it. If they got in whatever side they were on was going to win. So they, nope. They sat out. Um, all of the most powerful people sat out of like all of the super OP powers. They all decided not to fight, but they still had the, the, the effects of civil war were still found like in their world. Yep. But, um, but like it, for, I was just talking about crossovers in general, but that's why like, so there can be something that happens in a Spider-Man comic between like three or four of the major characters of the, of the, the big story arc but you don't really know it unless you read that spider-man comic and for me like i didn't read any of the side comics for civil war i literally just read the main storyline for um for secret empire i read the captain america ones didn't read spider-man because at that time when secret empire came out there were like nine different spider-man comics going Cause that was when like Doc Ock was Spider-Man and then you had Gwen pool or Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales. And then you still had like four other versions. I was like, Nope, not, not. Mm-mm. No, they're all still around too. Not going that deep. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I just read like, and that's a normal thing. Like you read, you read the crossover, but then you read like whoever you, whoever brought you there. So if you're a blade person, you'll read what you'll still read blades comics, 
but then to know what he's talking about in his you'll go back and you'll read like the big the big event because the big event always carries over into those other titles even if like with the x-men like they didn't do anything but it was still referenced there was still the registration act was like happening around them kind of a thing yeah because i know you know that's that's basically the reason why that you know Raimi went with you know organic web shooters is because that was in the comics and that was what was popular at the time. You know why that's something that's working right now, and I think it worked out well because yeah, yeah you, you didn't see like his actual genius like you said, but you can tell he was smart enough to like battle tactics. You know, come out with the spider sense, like he knew how to fight because of the two put together. I feel like they did. I feel like the Raimi verse showed Peter Parker's intelligence better than the MCU has thus far. Because with the MCU, they kind of hint at it. Like, yeah, he was going to, you know, he was dumpster diving and he was going to basically put a computer together. But that's not that odd nowadays when you can literally Google how to do that. I, Whereas I think like the in the best... 80s, that would have been a big thing. Like, oh, he could construct a computer by himself. But like now it's like you can find a YouTube video like you could go on Skillshare and like put that together. So I don't think it's like they and on top of that, like all of his his suit advancements came from Tony Stark in the MCU. Yeah, all Stark suits. Yeah, so whereas in the Raimi-verse, even though he didn't create his his web shooters, he was still, like in, in Spider-Man 2, he was studying, you know, he's studying to become someone like Doc Ock. And he was very clearly, I feel like they well-established that he is smarter than Osborn. Yeah. So I think they do a better job establishing that because like, when in like in, in this movie, the what in the beginning when he's having the whole like things are falling apart, basically being Spider-Man is taking away from his entire life. He can't pay his rent. He's losing both of his jobs. He's you know he he's barely hanging on. He can't help Aunt May, and he's losing his best friend. He does he can't have her as a girlfriend, and he was okay with that kind of, but now she's starting to be pissed off as just a friend. And his best friend is all hung up on hating Spider-Man, which is also him. And he's got, you know, he's failing college. And then as soon as he's like, okay, I'm not going to be Spider-Man. He immediately goes from failing this college class of like this advanced. I don't remember if they said what it was, but it was something like advanced physics or something. He goes from failing this class to acing this class. And that's only because, and you don't see him studying like, 24 hours to try to just understand what's going on. You just see him reading books and he's like, okay, got it. Like, I feel like that montage does more for showing how intelligent he is than having him create his own web shooters. Yeah. But I think when it comes down to the web shooters itself, I think um, Mark Webb did the best with the two Spider-Man movies he did because you get to see him really create the web shooters, miniaturize it in the first movie and the second movie, figure out how to actually make them, basically shock resistant to electro and that montage of him like plugging up batteries in the shed which is was awesome it was just so much fun that one i have a confession to make so you still haven't seen it have you i have not seen the amazing spider-man 2 <laughs> it looked so <laughs> stupid i couldn't do it it just looks so dumb so that's that's one thing that you know mark webb did get correct was he got peter parker and spider-man correct he can't do villains but he did, you know, Peter Parker Spider-Man very well. Like he was able to show the intelligence of him and, you know, just his ability to, you know, fail and try again as well was very well shown in Amazing Spider-Man 2, where his one, his first battle of Electro after Electro PM Electro, uh, Electro fried one of his shooters like in the first like minute. Hmm. And so from there, he's having to, you know, work on the fly with one web shooter, saving people as they're about to be shocked to death. And after it all is said and done, battles won, he goes back home the next morning, you know, starts working on how can he make his web shooter, you know, shock resistant so it doesn't happen again. And it's like a 10 minute scene where you can see Peter Parker, you know, going through different things. He's actually on YouTube, like how to, you know, magnetize, how to, you know, de-electrify, you know, metal. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, he's watching some, I guess, wannabe mad scientist guy, like, Okay, today we're going to talk about electricity and batteries and blah, blah, blah. And he's like looking at the video like, uh, I just, just got to get through this. Okay, so that might, again, I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak on it. But um, 
that sounds like it's like the best of both worlds where like it shows his intelligence perhaps to the best, but it still looked really stupid. Like, especially when I saw Electro in the street, I was like, mm, hard pass. Like that looks like it's going to be really dumb. I just, I don't know. I'll, and then on top of that, everybody who went to see it was like, that was stupid. And I was like, confirmed. So yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it's one of those, it, it's a worthy watch just to know what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, Granted, well, I know what it, happens. Gwen Stacy dies. Well, yeah, but what happens in the movie? Like, how, right. why it didn't get renewed for a third movie is a reason why to. Okay. Like, like I said, Andrew Garfield did a great job for it. Honestly, the reason why it didn't get renewed for a third movie is because by then, Sony, like shortly after it came out, Sony entered into the agreement with Marvel to bring to well, like yeah. the character for a little bit because it's a it long, came out little box office. Yeah. It, it was it didn't do well in the box office. And then on top of that, um, actually, I think that was when they were having that whole the leaks about. Remember the, the big Sony leak? Yep. Yeah, that was when that happened. And, and Disney was like, hey, everything is terrible. You want to you mind if we just like borrow Spider-Man? So I feel like yeah. that's why they didn't get the third movie. Because let's face it, they still would have given them a third movie if that hadn't happened. If they, they didn't have the leaks. And Marvel didn't come along and say, we'll give you like, just let us borrow him for the MCU and work out a deal. Had that not happened, they still would have done a third movie because they have to continually do Spider-Man movies or like they have to do it within a certain amount of time or the rights revert back to Disney anyway. Yeah, I think between Mason Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 was like a two or three year lapse. So they're well within, I think it's a seven years or so before the relapses back to him. Um, it depends on their particular deal. Some of them it's 10, some of them it's seven. I think with the main character of Spider-Man, it's seven. And with the villains, it's like 10 or something. Um, cause there's like, there's different nuance to like each different thing. And, um, it was when Spider-Man debuted in the MCU was two years after amazing Spider-Man two. Right. So that's why I say like they, if they had not made that agreement, there would have been another Spider-Man movie regardless because like if they had waited, cause that was 2014. If they had waited until Morbius was supposed to come out, they would have lost the character rights. They, so they couldn't have done that. They would have had to, cause that was supposed to come out in 2020 COVID hit. It's not going to come out till 2021. Maybe, maybe it doesn't come out till 2022. We'll see how, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, and that's my point. Like, they would have lost the character rights. They would have reverted back to Marvel regardless. So, they were, I think they were going to do, they would have done another Spider-Man movie had it not been, had it not, they not had the opportunity to put him in the MCU. But I'm glad he's in there because I still say Tom Holland, I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man the best. But I do appreciate Tobey Maguire. I I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man just because, to me, he's a better representation of the actual comic book character. However, Tobey Maguire did a really good job as Spider-Man. Yeah. And he has the perfect blend of actually acting well and putting you and like letting you get the emotions and everything that he's trying to convey, but also of being that like blank, the, the blank face so that we can put ourselves in his shoes. Like, you know, people always say that Keanu Reeves does like he's just like some people say he's wooden and some people say, no, he's perfect because you can put yourself in his shoes. And I feel like Tobey Maguire is like the perfect blend of the two, the perfect blend of emoting when necessary, but then being that blank slate when necessary so that we can put ourselves in his shoes. And I feel like that's part of what really worked in Spider-Man, too, because we felt like we were going we felt like this was happening to us. Like, yo, we have to make a decision. We can't be Spider-Man and be a teen. You know, now he's not even a teenager at this point. He was like 20 because he was. Uh, yeah. He's in the second year college. Yeah. So he's like 2021. 20, so it's like, you can't be a young man living his life in New York every day and be Spider-Man. You can't balance those two because you can't keep your jobs and your friends and your schoolwork up and be Spider-Man half the time. So you got to pick one there there. You need to have some kind of balance. And I feel like the answer, cause they don't really, they don't really solve the problem. It's just like, he realizes he is Spider-Man and he can't really not be, but I feel like the answer 
that the movie doesn't really tell us, but kind of show or doesn't really show, but kind of tells us is that he needs people. The people who are around him need to know that he's Spider-Man. So, cause before he was keeping it from absolutely everyone. Yeah. And I feel like the answer is don't keep it from the people you love. You don't have to not be in a relationship just because you're Spider-Man. You have to wear the mask to make sure other people don't know who you are, but your loved ones can know that you're Spider-Man. I feel like that was the big thing. I still don't know how he manages to satisfy his work commitment and his school commitment and be Spider-Man because they never really answered that. I mean, just from the way they did in Spider-Man 3 was that he just had a better balance of it all. It's kind of just the feeling they gave. Yeah, I feel like like it was just like the fact that Mary Jane knows that he's Spider-Man now. He has more support. And he's not hiding everything from everybody. So right. it's like that stress has taken off. So he's like better able to cope. But at the same time, like I feel like so much was falling apart for him in this movie in the beginning. And in the end, they don't really show like, does he get another job? Where how does he pay the rent? What about Aunt May's um, Aunt May's house? You know, she oh, gone. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's they don't I'm not going I'm not looking to Spider-Man three because I know there's a Spider-Man three. I'm just saying, like, in this movie, because <laughs> like, like, obviously, because because people are going to be like, duh, did she not watch Spider-Man three? Yes, they did. But I'm talking about one standalone movie. <laughs> so I'm talking about like in a movie, usually you have the exposition, the conflict and then the resolution. And my point is the exposition brought up that he had all of these things that were the conflict. And at the end, the resolution had nothing to do with those things. The resolution, like the real conflict for him was, is he Spider-Man or is he Peter Parker? I think think in the end, resolution was he is both. For me, it felt like he's Spider-Man first and then he's Peter Parker. It's kind of the same way that they do, you know, Batman's like, he's not Bruce Wayne, he's Batman first and then he's Bruce Wayne. Batman's fucked up, so... I don't know, this whole universe too. Yeah. But with this, it really felt like, you know, in the end, when you talk to Mary Jane after Ock sank, you know, his project, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm always going to be Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. it felt like he was kind of embracing like, yes, I am now Spider-Man. And then I'm Peter Parker. Like, that's why they're going to be together. Because he wants to make sure that he has his together. life like that. Remember, she left him. She left the wedding for him. And they were together. Like at the end of Spider-Man 2, they are together, but he still goes off to be Spider-Man. So that's why I feel like for him, it's kind of like, I feel like Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2 is the same arc that the Hulk takes in the MCU, that Bruce Banner and the Hulk take of like, Bruce Banner is one person, the Hulk is another entity, and he has to get this, you know, he has to get to the point where he's Professor Hulk, where Bruce Banner is in, like they're combined and they're one person. That's what I feel like Spider-Man 2 was trying to say. Because at the end, he does get the girl. He gets Mary Jane. She comes back to him. But then he also goes off to be Spider-Man. Yeah, in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So he knows his responsibility is Spider-Man, not to her. Well, no, because now she knows he's Spider-Man and she says she was waiting for him. So he still gets her. So that's why. And I mean, yeah, the third movie happened again. I'm not talking about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. If we're sticking tri- directly in the second movie. Universe, Just in the yes, second movie. Yes. He gets the girl in the end. Yes. He gets the girl in the end and he gets to be Spider-Man, which to me is like in the second movie, he is saying like the second movie is saying that he had to come, you know, the two had to be like that. He is both it, like he is Spider-Man and he is Peter Parker and now that Mary Jane knows that he's Spider-Man, she's willing to wait for him. So he gets the girl and he gets to be Spider-Man. Yeah, I know he doesn't get to get to keep the girl in Spider-Man 3, but we're not there yet. Or does he? We're just in we're just here, you know. You don't get to yeah. have the uh the emo we we the emo walk is coming. The emo dance is happening, but it hasn't happened yet. So right now, we're just in Spider-Man 2. <laughs> okay. Yeah. One thing I every time I watch this movie because I've I'm not sure how many times I've actually seen this movie is in the end when, you know, Ox beaten, you know, and the machine's still going, but it's starting to kind of overload itself. Mm-hmm. He runs and Spider runs to Ox, pulls off the mask and says, you know, I shut down, tell me how. And Ox has a moment of, he regains control of the arms, all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, but every time there's always that thought of like, he should have should done it differently. He should have gone down with it. Just think all the things that a, a sane Ock and Peter could have done together. But you know, that's maybe the got thing, the arms though. removed. The he couldn't but remember the, they you know, tried to die. Arms. 
Um, I feel like Ak did that because he knew that he had a moment of control, but he wasn't in control. Like, I feel like his him coming back in that moment was a temporary. It's kind of like the Hulk again, the Hulk and Bruce Banner, where the Hulk can like when he hulks out, Bruce Banner's not there. And then when Bruce Banner comes back, it's a momentary thing. He's not permanently Bruce Banner. The Hulk is always there. And I feel like that was what it was for Doc Ock. But where like he knew once that inhibitor chip was fried, he was like once he got he was able to get the the control of the arms temporarily, but he knew that it wasn't going to last. So he was like, I have to go down with this or I'm going to do this again. That's I mean, why I feel like he went down with the the thing. That's why he volunteered. He's like, no, let me do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I always wish, I guess sound, I, I took it. I think it was just that moment of genius is connecting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened early in the movie as well when Peter sat down with, you know, Ock and his wife, mm-hmm. but like, and the two were just talking together. I just felt like that those geniuses kind of reconnected. Like, hey, we're a powerhouse together now, we're, and we're a powerhouse again. Yeah, because I know they got he got the redemption, which is great and all, or kind of redemption. But you know, it's just still that man. He could have done a different way. He should have walked away somehow. But you're probably right. He probably been like, okay, well, that's done. What I'm going to do now? Well, let's go kill someone. Well, because remember the whole arc of the entire thing for hit for Doc Ock. Once the the failure happened. It wasn't him. It was the arms in control. The AI. Yeah. So I feel like he knew that he didn't have permanent control over himself anymore because that AI was fighting to come back. So he's like, let me do this while I can. And if he if he had like, let's say Peter had done it right. And Peter was able to get out and Doc Ock survived. What's to say? he wasn't going to pull a Hulk like in, in Avengers, not in Endgame, but in the Avengers when Hulk and Thor were on top of the Chitari thing. And then Hulk just punched Thor off the thing. <laughs> How do you know he wasn't going to pull that? You know, cause it, cause again, it's not him. It's the AI controlling the arms. Right. And that's not dead. Like Ultron's not dead. Ultron may not be in the MCU anymore. He might be, he could be late in their vision. He might, you know, he's not in the MCU anymore, but he's not dead. Ultron can never really go away. He always comes he, back. He's a program. Yeah, he's, yeah, you can't, and he was in the internet. Like, you can't technically kill that. Once it's created, it's kind of like energy. Like, once it's created, well, no, energy's not created nor destroyed. But, like, once the once he's put together, you can't really undo him. The only way he was defeated in the comics in Age of Ultron was that, there was a program built in when um, they went back to Hank Pym because Hank Pym created Ant- created him. It was not Tony Stark. It was Hank Pym. Anywho, they went Those back. didn't to- know. Yeah. <laughs> they went back to Hank Pym and it was uh, the Hulk or not Hulk. Sorry. Uh, the Wolverine and Sue Storm went and told Hank Pym, hey, I know you're going to create your your murder bot. So just so you know, he kills everybody in the future. Like we're from the future where like the only two who survived, he's going to just wreck everything and kill everybody. But we know that you're so fucked up that if we tell you that he survived, that he actually works, you're going to do it anyway. Cause you like, we us telling you that he kills everybody is not going to stop you from creating him. It's going to like egg you on because you're going to be like, it works. So you're going to have to do it. So just letting you know, so what he does is he goes ahead and creates Ultron, but he puts in basically a kill switch. And what he does is he he disguises it so that it's programming that is literally deleting the programming of Ultron. And um, what Ultron doesn't realize is Ultron senses it. So um, when it enacts, Ultron senses it and tries to delete that program, not realizing that in deleting that program, he is deleting himself. So Ultron basically destroys himself and he like deletes his own programming. That's the only way you can actually get rid of Ultron. Once he's created, he's in the ether. Now he's there. You can't, can't really get rid of him. So I know y'all think that like the last Ultron was like Ultron died in Sokovia. He can come back in the comics. He constantly comes back. They defeat him. They think he's gone. And then he's like, Oh, Ultron came back again. Wait, how did that happen? Oh, the piece of him was still in vision. (laughs) It's like, what? Because he's never he he's, he's never really gone. So yeah. Anywho, all of See, that one, to say. One thing I wish they really would have done, and maybe they might still do, is have I forget his name, the guy who did the voice of Ultron, James Spader. 
yeah, just have James Spader show up in uh, Wanda's town, <laughs> not say anything, just walk by like that, just like huge Easter egg. Like oh, that would crap. break the internet. Are you kidding? <laughs> it'd be fun. I'm, they're not gonna do it. Yeah, but it'd be fun. Everybody would be like our. It would break the internet. Our nerd minds would explode because people would be like, is Ultron back? What's going on? Like all of the theories, nerddom would perish. <laughs> like we would lose it. You know what? I broke Sean's mind simply by saying, suggesting that Dr. Doom could show up at the end of uh, WandaVision because if any of the Fantastic Four would show up, like that would be him. We were talking about how you know some people were speculating that reed richards is the aerospace ad- engineer yeah that um that i don't Monica think so was talking about i don't think so either and i was like i don't think it's gonna be anybody from the fantastic four but if anyone from the fantastic four were to show up in wandavision because wandavision deals with magic and especially she's eastern european the one character that makes the most sense would be dr doom and yeah. just me saying that i broke sean so I mean, it it would yeah. make sense. They would have to word it somehow, some way, like of why he's there. But I, it could. I work. mean, not really though, because like think about it. Everything is dealing with magic right now, right? You've got Angela Harkness. Doctor Strange is coming. So I was like, the only thing to me, if it's going to be a big character from Fantastic Four, it would have to be the magic user because Doctor Doom is mag- is uses magic. Yep. So I was like. So it would make sense for him to show up because everything thus far has to do with magic. You've got Wanda. She's now known as the Scarlet Witch. You've got Agatha Harkness, who we now know is a witch. You know, we already have Doctor Strange, who is magical. So to me, it would make far more sense for Doctor Doom to show up than for Magneto or Wolverine or any like, why the hell would Wolverine show up? That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? And you could just have him show up because he could show up for the exact same reason that Agatha showed up. Because all magic users who are really powerful, like Doctor Strange, they like Doctor Doom, would sense it and would show up to un- to go what you know to find out what's going on. Um, and it doesn't make any sense for it to be Reed Richards, like at all. So no, I can't see it being Reed Richards because they're planning to do like this whole big Fantastic Four movie, and yeah, I, I think it'd be kind of a less impactful if they brought any one of them in early. Let them, exactly. you know, make their debut in the movie. Have but at remember, it. Remember, they did say that um, before during the, during the acquisition phase, when Disney was buying Fox, Fox had plans for a Doom movie. Yep. So what if Disney just absorbed that and went, OK, we're not going to do your shitty Doom movie because you guys suck at doing anything Marvel. But we're going to do we're still going to do Doom. We're just going to put him in. We're going to we're going to start him in WandaVision. Maybe he comes back again in um, in Multiverse of Madness, and then he gets his own movie, and or he shows up again in the Fantastic Four because he doesn't start out necessarily as a villain. He's just a very very powerful magic user. So yeah. they could start him as the magic user that he is, and then he could still go on the journey with the Fantastic Four to get you know to have the, the Iron Mask. And become the evil Doctor Doom and become the villain through the Fantastic Four. But they could introduce him as just a magic user right now. Yeah, and that's some sort of computer hacker like Fox wanted to. Oh my gosh! What? Just lean it. <laughs> Who was it? Somebody, I think it was Sean. He was like, Fox was terrified of going, they didn't want to go full comic. And he's right, because don't make Doctor Doom a damn computer hacker. He's a magician. He he is one of the most powerful magic users in the Marvel world. Don't take that away from him. That's like saying Doctor Strange, instead of being the Sorcerer Supreme, is like an illusionist. Like, what? No. Just let him have magic, man. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know? Anywho, now that we've gone back to WandaVision, let's go back to Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yep. WandaVision has become my Star Wars now. <laughs> like, instead of talking about Star Wars, I talk about WandaVision. And next month, it'll be Falcon Winter Soldier. Yes. It comes out, well, this month, because by the time this comes out, it'll be March. March 19th. The day after my birthday. There you go. Yeah. I would have, if if given the chance, I would rather have Falcon and the Winter Soldier come out on my birthday than the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, but I don't get to choose such things. It's only four hours long. That's all it is. Only four hours long. Yeah. Only. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And- 
if they've shown all the good stuff already, it's going to be a super bigger disappointment than the Whedon cut. I bet they have. I doubt that I'm going to watch the Snyder cut on my birthday. I'm just going to be honest because, like, I don't want to. I've spent this is going to be my second birthday in lockdown. I don't want to watch a shitty movie on my birthday. I will probably just like binge watch the rest of like binge watch WandaVision again and call it a day. Like I'm not, I would rather do that. If I'm going to spend four hours watching something, I'd rather rewatch WandaVision than rewatch the Justice League and be like, oh, look, Zack Snyder is the exact same director that I thought he was. <laughs> so, well, you know, maybe I'll message Sean and be like, hey, let's watch this movie in her honor on her, <laughs> on her birthday. Oh, my birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier at midnight, which technically won't be my birthday anymore, but whatever. To me, it's the day until I go to sleep. So it'll be my birthday. In my mind, it'll be my birthday. Yeah. I keep forgetting that, though, because I'm terrible at like days. So on Friday, when WandaVision came out, I was editing because I had just recorded um, a podcast episode and I was I was working on editing it. And I was listening to it, but I decided to like check out Twitter while I was listening. And somebody, I think Nando V Movies mentioned WandaVision. And I was like, what? Is today Thursday? What's going on? Did I miss that? And of course, yeah, it was. And it was like one o'clock. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like an hour late. Like, I can't just watch it right then. But still, <laughs> like, I, I want to be there. Like at midnight, I'm like, play. Yeah, back to Spider-Man 2. I maintain that there's something about I don't know if it's Kirsten Dunst or if it's the way they wrote the character of Mary Jane. But to me, in all of these movies, she's selfish and she is just there to be the damsel in distress. And she claims to care about Peter, but everything is about what Peter has done for her. And you seldom see her really do anything for Peter. True. I think just with all three movies, though, they're so focused on the hero versus villain fight that they kind of write the side characters just not as great maybe yeah because i know kirsten does can act um james franco can act but really they're given just kind of such throwaway stuff it seems like that they're like okay we're gonna use this kind of prop up you know spider-man and villain in this movie i think maybe it is the the way she's written but it's just it irritates me when a woman in a superhero film or any action film is relegated to just being the damsel in distress. I prefer those scenes where like, say, say the villain like does something to them and then they end up getting on sure footed. Like Aunt May, Aunt May is a perfect example. She's literally hanging off the damn ledge of the building and Peter's like freaking out. And he goes, you know, he goes to save her and she's like, I'm good. Go get him. Like even Aunt May can do that. But here's helpless little Mary Jane who can't like, she just really needs Spider-Man to save her. I also don't like the fact that she needs to pick a lane. Is she in love with Peter Parker? Is she in love with Spider-Man or is she in love with the, with um, J Jonah Jameson's son? Because she agrees to marry J Jonah Jameson's son, but she's still like, while she's with him, she's trying to kind of fit the hero version of Spider-Man in him. So it's like, what is it? And I feel like she really fell for Peter. Like she always liked Peter, but this movie kind of makes it seem like she didn't really fall for him until she found out that he was Spider-Man. Because remember that upside down kiss? Like she's been trying to replicate that this whole time. And as soon as she was like, oh, you're Spider-Man. Well, perfect. Cause I had a thing for him anyway. And I'm like, okay, what? Like, what do you want? You have your own identity crisis going on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they kind of throw that more into an unknown state in the third movie, which I know we're not getting into, but you know things get really messy for her in the third movie. Yes, but just in this movie, she's like going by her how she's portrayed in this movie, she's having just as much of an identity crisis because if she really does love Peter, why is she forcing him to say it? Why doesn't she just say it? Why doesn't she come out and say, I love you, but you're unreliable. I can't count on you. So yeah, I'm going to move on. She doesn't, right. like, she, she kind of hints at it, but she still tries to say, you tell me you love me. And she, yeah. instead of saying like, do you love me? Or like, Hey, I love you. Do you love me? She's just like, well, I mean, I want to be with you, but I'm going to be with this guy because you won't come to my play, which sounds selfish as hell. 
you know? <laughs> like, how about finding out why, like, if your friend, if you really are best friends, because she's like, oh, I miss my best friend. If you really are best friends and you see that they're clearly going through something, why aren't you asking them how they're feeling? What's going on? How, you know, she didn't, she never did that at once in the movie. She was just like, oh, you disappointed me again. But she never asked like, Peter, how's your job going? What's, what's going on in your life? See, they never once, neither she nor Harry ever once asked him that. So they weren't ever really supportive of him, at least in, again, just in this movie. Cause I know in the other movies it's different. But in this particular movie where he's going through this identity crisis of balancing Peter Parker and Spider-Man, he didn't really have that support from either one of them. So he didn't have like he didn't have a, a home base, you know, and especially once he told Aunt May and she was just kind of like over it when he told Aunt May about um, he didn't tell Aunt May that he was Spider-Man. But like when he told her should have about. Yeah, he should have. Um, but when he told her about. The, you know, the fact that he was he could have stopped the robber that killed Uncle Ben and she was just like over it. Like, I feel like he alienated himself by not telling people. But then also these people are supposed to love him. And not one of them was like, hey, you're going through a hard time. Are you OK? Like, that's the basic. That's the bottom thing that a person can do is just ask, are you OK? What's going on? And they didn't. They were all just too absorbed with their own lives. And they were like, "Ugh, how dare you not be there for me? Meanwhile, not one of them is there for him. True. One thing I kind of love about the scene where they're in that cafe and Mary Jane basically is like, you know, do you love me or not? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, Peter realizes, hmm, there's a car coming through the window. <laughs> at, at that moment right there, I always, my mind always jumps back to where Harry's like, you know, don't hurt Peter. Peter knows where Spider-Man is. It's like, hmm. I'm pretty sure he can dodge a car, so throw a car at him. And yeah, that would have killed him if he wasn't Spider-Man. That made no yeah. sense. And honestly, like Ox should have figured it out. Like by that point, it's like, wow, you have like really fast reflexes. Are you Spider-Man or something? Yeah. But well, I think this is more eye on the prize. Not just that, but remember, so again, if Peter wasn't Spider-Man, both he and Mary Jane would be dead right now. Because yep. that car would have just hit him. And even if they managed to duck, like even if they saw it coming at the last second and they both got down and the car rolled over them. Remember, um, Peter ended up being buried under a bunch of rubble. And the only way he got out is because he's Spider-Man and he, he's burst through. Yep. Was he, if he were not Spider-Man, he'd be dead. So that made no sense to throw a car at him. I thought originally like before... Before the scene, the reveal when Peter takes off his his uh, mask at the end and Doc Ock realizes it, I always felt like when um, when he when Harry told him go get Peter because he knows about Spider Man, I always felt like the AI like kind of did the math and was like Peter is Spider Man, and so he was like, oh, he's right there. If I just kill him right now, I'll get my stuff. But yeah. then it doesn't it like that doesn't work with what he does later when he's like, you know. When he, um, you just did that. The whole scene doesn't make any sense because later on, like as soon as that happens, Spider-Man comes up and I, I feel like what he, now that I think about it, I, I realized what he was doing. He wasn't trying to get Peter Parker to explain who Spider-Man is. He was trying to force Spider-Man to show up by attacking Peter Parker. Like now that I think about it, that makes the most sense because yeah. he didn't really he didn't care about peter parker because again at this point it's not him it's not ock it's his ai and so i feel like the ai was like we did that to bait spider-man to come out because remember at this point spider-man had disappeared and if spider-man is good friends with peter parker and spider-man knows that peter parker is in danger he's going to show up to protect him so now that I think about it like I like look at it through a different lens it actually does make sense why he did that because Spider-Man was in hiding and Peter Parker could easily just be like, I don't know where he is. So he did that to flesh Spider-Man out, which worked because Peter had given up being Spider-Man until he had to like, once he had to save Mary Jane, that's when he became Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm pretty sure also in the cafe he's dead though. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're dead. Yeah. But this is before Batman V Superman. So we didn't pay attention to things like that. No, all the destruction in the area. Yeah, it was it was Batman v Superman that was like, oh, you can't kill all these like all these look at all the casualties because like before that nobody really gave a shit, and now yeah, everybody's paying fine. attention to casualties. It's fine. They'll, they'll walk away from it. 
yeah. a Band-Aid or something. <laughs> no, yeah, they're all dead. <laughs> and also, like, not just the people in that cafe, but all of the people in the city that were around when Doc Ock was climbing that building and throwing chunks of it off. Anybody that was anywhere near that street that got hit by a boulder or like if a boulder jumped, like got landed on their car. Cause remember like, as he was climbing that building and like, we got near the clock when he had um, Aunt May, like the, so the, both the time when he had Aunt May and then when he had Mary Jane, he was kind of like pulling a Jedi with the, like, like pulling Darth Vader, but with his claws, like where he would pull chunks of like, you would like pull a pole or a big rock or something and throw it at him and throw it at Spider-Man. And that shit was landing on the street. So yeah, tons of people dead. Cause it's New York. It's not like it's New York in the middle of the day. It's not a dead street. It's not like it's happened during COVID. Like that was a busy street. So there are lots, yeah. of, lots of deaths. Spider-Man pre-COVID. Is there anything you would like to say to end with uh, Spider-Man 2? No. Good movie. Rewatchable anytime. If you don't own it, why not own it now? You know, it pisses me off. I have what I think is the DVD, right? Mm-hmm. I go to put that in the DVD player. The disc isn't in there. Ooh. I have the DVD, the the sleeve of it, and mm-hmm. I have the special effects, like the special, not special effects, but like the special features CD. Right. I have no idea what the Spider-Man 2 DVD is. And I'm wondering if like when I bought it, because I tend to buy a lot of secondhand DVDs because they're super cheap. I'm wondering if it just wasn't in there. And when I felt it, I felt the one DVD and assumed, oh, that's a DVD. Because um, could be. I have a bad habit of like not checking when I buy them. I just buy them and put it away. So I have a feeling that's what it is. Cause I'm not the type of person to not put the disc away immediately after watching it. Like I don't leave discs out. I don't lend them out. I don't leave them out. I don't lose them. So odds are it was never in there when I got it. So that's kind of irritating. I thought I had Spider-Man too. Turns out I didn't. So yeah, opportunity to get it now. Yeah. I'll just have to go buy it again. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you, Mr. Nerd One? If you want it, my website is podpage.com forward slash nerd one. My social media, though, uh, Twitter is nerd one five. Instagram and Facebook is nerd one podcast. Awesome. We shall see you later. Till next time. Till next time. Nerd out. If you like this episode, do us a favor. If you're listening through Apple, give us a five-star rating or any other app. Drop us a like. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can hear new episodes when they come out. Thanks. Salute, 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 salute. Salute, 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 salute.